0: Welcome to StoryCorps, share your science. I'm Sandy Duick, a science communicator for the Bay Area Environmental Research Institute at NASA's Ames Research Center in Silicon Valley, California. In celebration of International Day of Women on March 8th, I'm chatting with Dr. Lavorka de Gorizia, who's also at Ames. Welcome Lavorka.
1: Hi Sandy, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I am very excited to chat with you today. Thank you for making the time. You are involved in some really cutting-edge science. You are a next-generation sequencing scientist and the science communication specialist on the NASA Gene Lab Project, which is all about open science and omics data. In the past, you managed a sequencing lab and you supported technical marketing for research products. You also have a patent. Tell me more. Who are you? So let's first start with your work on the NASA GeneLab project as a next generation sequencing scientist.
1: All right, thank you. Um, so, GeneLab is an, uh, as you mentioned, it's an interactive open access omics repository that was created specifically for spaceflight and bioinformatics studies. Uh, This platform allows scientists and citizen scientists alike to explore, evaluate, discover hypotheses that are related to space flight and corresponding analog experiments. Mm -hmm. We aim to travel deeper into space, and as we do that, we really need to have a strong understanding of how the space environment affects our biology, and this is really the purpose of GeneLab. It's utilizing advances in biological techniques, or what we call omics, to deepen our understanding of biology to ultimately allow astronauts to better withstand the rigors of long duration spaceflight. Now, GeneLab also offers a leading edge sample processing lab that is responsible for generating omics data. And by omics, I'm referring to the different fields of biological uh, of study in biology, such as genomics, transcriptomics, proteomics, epigenomics, et cetera. And really to maximize the scientific return of every biological spaceflight experiment, the sample processing lab, which is a part of GeneLab, uses next-generation sequencing technology to sequence the unused samples returned to space from Earth.
0: Okay, so tell me what you do as a next-generation sequencing scientist.
1: Uh, Really, the idea is to take these samples that are from, flown back from space and brought back to Earth. Um, and we have to process these samples in such a way um, that we're able to gather information about how space is affecting these samples.
0: Can you explain to me what model organisms are?
1: Yeah, so model organisms are um, organisms that try to mimic our biology as humans as best as possible. So um, rodents are the closest, closely related to humans, um, and then when you tra- when you uh, move down to uh, Drosophila or C. elegans, those are less related to humans. But um, because we really want to understand um, how space affects biology, we really need large numbers of animals in order to be able to really decipher the data and be able to provide any kind of statistical significance that this data is really what it is. And so you're limited in size with rodents, but you can have, you know, a lot more sample sizes for the smaller animal models like the flies and the worms.
0: Okay, got that. Thank you. Tell me me about your patent. This is pretty unique.
1: Yeah, so that was actually, um, that was interesting. (laughs) So this uh, this patent came about from work um, that I had done while I was in the biotech industry. Um, And I was a part of a team that was responsible for developing what we call real time PCR assays um, for detecting food and environmental borne pathogens. And I really supported this team um, by generating the upfront data with next generation sequencing the data that I had generated with next-generation sequencing was really used to gain a better understanding of these bacteria and what their genomes look like. So the team could create much better detection methods in order to detect that bacteria.
0: Got it. I think I'm still a little bit confused though about next-generation sequencing. Can you explain that to me again?
1: or next generation sequencing is a technology that allows for the ability to read DNA, which is the blueprint that makes each of us unique um, in a manner that's analogous to reading letters on a page. And as an NGS scientist, um, really there's two main processes. There's two, yeah, two main processes that we have to go through in order to be able to sequence uh, DNA. Number one is we have to extract the DNA from a sample, so maybe from a liver sample from a rodent or brain sample or heart. And the second is we have to process that DNA in such a way that the sequencing technology is able to read it.
0: This sounds absolutely fascinating. What is the human benefit of this research?
1: So that's a great question. So I'll answer that question in two parts. Um, So the human benefit, if we just look at it from a, let's say, gene lab perspective, um, the human benefit is that we can use this technology to really help us decipher and understand the biology that is changing in response to a space environment. And so if we know that, then we'll be able to um, uh, provide mitigation strategies such that humans can travel into space deeper and minimize the effects of the space environment. From a more uh, global um, or more high-level or general level, if you will, um, next-generation sequencing um, has really the ability to help in um, detecting any rare diseases. This has actually been going on, I want to say, since about 2010 or so, um, when one of the uh, when there was a medical institute that actually used this technology to be able to diagnose um, twins uh, with a really rare disease that no medical technology was able to diagnose at the time. And um, since then, that has been um, more common practice. So it's not it's not that common that you could go to your doctor's office and get it. But for really specific cases, um, more and more medical hospitals are using this technology to really help them decipher these rare um, diseases.
0: You studied at Santa Clara University, where you received your Bachelor's of Science in Chemistry with an emphasis on biochem. Then you went to Boston University and graduated with a PhD. What did you get a PhD in?
1: Yeah, so I received a PhD in polymer chemistry um, with a focus on biomedical engineering. And um, the work that I was doing in graduate school was really focused on generating uh, biomaterials for biomedical applications. So creating um, a uh, material for healing uh, eye lacerations or for sealing eye lacerations, and also trying to create a uh, biomaterial that would help regenerate cartilage. So, those are my two primary uh, projects I focused on in graduate school.
0: As a scientist for GeneLab, you have so many opportunities to work with high school students, undergrads, postdocs, and young researchers. What do you tell young people who want to pursue careers like yours and perhaps work for NASA?
1: So that's a great question. Um, so for high schoolers, what I would say is um, that they should take as many STEM um, opportunities that they can. I know that um, NASA, off- uh, NASA offers STEM opportunities, and this is a really great way, f- resource um, for younger members to get involved.
0: You, so um, by STEM you mean science, technology, engineering, and math, correct? Yes, that's correct, okay. yeah.
1: And GeneLab has internships for high schoolers. It's called GeneLab for High School. Um, this is a summer internship that is a four-week intensive training summer program, and it, it's it's geared towards rising high school um, juniors and seniors to learn about bioinformatics, computational biology methods, and techniques to analyze space space omics data from the GeneLab repository. For undergraduates, uh, GeneLab also has a training program. Program called GeneLab for Universities. Um, and here, um, educators and students can learn how to analyze omics data using GeneLab's standardized pipelines. And additionally, NASA also has an SLSTP program, which provides undergraduates um, and even graduates um, that are entering um, their first year or beginning um, their graduate school uh, with professional experiences in space life science disciplines. Uh, So really any scientist from high school and up can join, um, it can also join the Gene Labs working analysis groups um, to learn more about space biology and help analyze space flight data from the Gene Lab repository. So there's really many internship opportunities at NASA and Gene Lab that young scientists can um, really take advantage of.
0: For anyone who might be interested in checking out GeneLab internships, check out our website at genelab.nasa.gov. I'd like to delve a little bit into your early life. I'm really fascinated by the work you've done so far. So I, I, I know that your life journey began in Croatia, and you currently live here in Silicon Valley, California. When did your science journey begin, and were you interested in science as a kid?
1: Yes, I think my science journey began, (laughs) I, I used to love these. It was this kit, like a skeleton kit, and it had all these little plastic organs that you can, you know, put in there. And I always used to play with it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I I loved learning about anatomy. So that's I think where my um science journey began. began All that was medically related, but you know, I did fall in love with the sciences. Uh,
0: were the science subjects your favorite in school, or did you have other favorites?
1: Um, actually recess was my
0: favorite part of school at that time. (laughs) (laughs) And probably most other kids at that time too, right?
1: And, you know, oddly enough, I actually did not like chemistry in high school. And I remember coming back home one day and telling my parents, I am never taking another chemistry class in my life again. And yet here I am with a PhD in chemistry. So
0: (laughs) how ironic is that? Yeah. Did you know as a young person that you wanted to be a scientist and maybe work at NASA someday?
1: As a young person, I've always wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I said that I think from the age of four, I didn't even know what neurosurgeon was and I said it. But I didn't really realize I wanted to be a scientist until probably later in my life around college. Um, And as far as working for NASA, I actually had no idea that I would even be working here. Um, I always thought they were just they needed engineers and astronauts. I did not even it didn't occur to me that they needed chemists and biologists and physicists. Um, And it really wasn't until I applied for a position at NASA because it fit my sequencing experience so well that it dawned on me, oh my gosh, you know, that totally makes sense. <laughs> I wish I had applied earlier.
0: Yeah, NASA is not only astronauts and going to Mars. I mean, there's so many pieces to the NASA pie. Who inspired you when you were growing up? Who? I don't know if it's so much
1: of a who more than a what. Mm-hmm. Um, I think medicine definitely inspired me. Um, like I said, I, I at the age of four, I kept saying I want to be a neurosurgeon. And it really wasn't until, I think, later in life when I kind of got grossed out with hospitals <laughs> that I decided that wasn't for me. But I think it was medicine that just sparked sparked this, you know, science mindset. Um, and I was always fascinated by the fact that humans can fix other humans.
0: So today, in your life today, I have a two-part question for you. What excites you about coming to work every day? Or how has the pandemic affected your work, especially since we've been home for two years now?
1: So that's a great question. What excites me about coming to work is really just NASA, working for NASA. I mean, it's just so rewarding to be able to help NASA's ultimate goal of, uh, you know, traveling deeper into space. And and I can do that by utilizing my um, sequencing background, which I never imagined (laughs) I could do. Um, So that's really rewarding. Luckily, I have to say the pandemic has not affected my work that much. Um, GeneLab has put in a lot of um, pandemic safety precautions in the very beginning, um, which made it possible for me to go back to work um, six months into the pandemic. And so I was able to keep my experiments moving along. I also helped with GeneLab science communications efforts during that time, which allowed me to work from home um, more. And so eventually I ended up moving into that role. So really, the pandemic I think GeneLab did a great job of minimizing the um, effect the pandemic had on our work.
0: Has there been an aha moment in your job? Something unexpected that you learned or accomplished?
1: Yeah, it would have to be when I first saw that sequencing position for NASA, <laughs> um, which occurred to me that oh my gosh, that makes absolute sense to be, you know, using a sequencing technology to really understand how space affects biology. And like I said, prior to that, I really, it didn't occur to me that they needed chemists and biologists and other disciplines other than um, engineers and astronauts. So that was a very late in my life aha moment.
0: It's never too late. (laughs) What are you passionate about at work and when you're away from work?
1: So... In terms of work, I'm really passionate about the sequencing technology. Um, I know we did talk about this briefly before, but um, this is a very powerful um, technology and has the capacity to transform not only our understanding of how the space environment affects biology, but it can also transform medicine. Um, And there have been many, I know we talked about this um, before, but there have been many examples where research hospitals have used um, sequencing to diagnose very rare cases, um, which were not easily detectable with, at the time, current medical um, techniques. And um, away from work, I'm really passionate about nature, and I love being out in nature. I love hiking, biking, kayaking, um, and preserving nature as much as possible.
0: If you weren't a scientist, what else might you be doing?
1: Um, I still love medicine. I think seeing how medicine has changed in terms of insurance. Um, I I hear a lot of doctors complain about dealing more with insurance companies than with patients, which is why they became doctors in the first place, I think kind of deterred me from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So either I would be in medicine, if not, then I would probably um, be a professor of ancient history or something like that.
0: Because this is a podcast and there are no visuals to share with our audience, I'm going to make some assumptions about you that I want you to agree with or disagree I wear or I used to wear a white lab coat to work.
1: Agree. So I used to wear a white lab coat when I was a graduate student and um, I was working with a particular reaction that required me to use um, charcoal. And um, it was so it was such a fine powder that it got all over my lab coat. You know, I was in lab, so I didn't really care for it that much. But um, there was one night when I was working late and the janitorial services at um, Boston University approached me and they said, you know, we'd be happy to launder that for you, because apparently that's how dirty it was. So I guess (laughs) white with mixed in with some black powder on there.
0: (laughs) I sit behind a computer all day.
1: Right now, I would probably have to say I agree with that.
0: I have no hobbies or outside interests. Science research is my life.
1: I would have to disagree with that. Um, I love research. I love science, but I think there's more to life. Um, and I, like I said, I like I like being outdoors. I like exercising. I, I enjoy life in other forms.
0: I believe we're alone in the universe.
1: I would have to disagree. I think um, the universe is too large for us to be
0: the only advanced species to exist. In my family, I am best known for? Ooh, my
1: inner warrior.
0: Oh, I need um, more description on that.
1: Yeah, so um, my mom has always told me that um, I, I'm a fighter. Um, I have a lot of strength to fight for what I believe in and, you know, for what's right um so my inner warrior goddess, I guess.
0: <laughs> in my work I'm best known for. So
1: I've been told I have really good hands in the lab. Um just consistency of data. I am very meticulous in the lab, probably a little bit slower than normal, but um <laughs> it's because I'm um a little late and retentive, I guess. Um so that's that's what I've been told in the past.
0: I think that's what's needed in a lab. It is. Final question for you. As a tribute to International Day of Women on March 8th, are there any particular women living now or in the past who inspired, mentored you in, in science that you'd like to mention?
1: So I'd probably have to say my undergraduate advisor at Santa Clara University. Um, I had a, uh, I did a summer internship program with in her lab one year and um, that experience just really turned me onto to science and, and the love of research. So I'd probably have to say her. i credit her for that.
0: Thank you, Lavorka, so much. This has been a very inspirational interview. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting with you.
1: Thank you. Um, it was a pleasure, and I appreciate talking to you, too.